Guys, what an awesome day to get to gather together today. Um, man, look at this place. Y'all all decided to show up. That's good stuff. Y'all must have not heard what we were talking about. No, here's where we're going to be this week, and we're going to dive right in. We're going to be in Philippians 4.19. So if you want to look on your phone, your old school Bible, if you don't want to do that, it'll be right behind us here, Philippians 4.19, okay? Before we do that, I want you to stand one more time, and we're going to pray our prayer of 2019 together. And if you haven't been here, if this is your first time, don't worry, nothing hokey. We just kind of just repeat this prayer after us. He repairs our hearts and minds for what God has for us, and we do it every single Sunday. Um, so let's just pray. Awesome God, awesome God. Give, us give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear, give us hearts to receive, give us mouths to confess all of the good things that you have already provided for us. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. I threw a, I threw a new one in there for you guys. Yeah, you were like mouths. Whoa, that's, that's a different part of the body. Okay, y'all got to y'all gotta wake up today because that was kind of funny. All right, so help me out. Hey, we are going to be in Philippians 4.19. Let me tell you something funny this week. It's funny when on Tuesday night you're preparing and you're finishing up your message and you title it, God Can Afford It. That's what I titled it. And I, and I typed it in and, and on, on Tuesday night and then I closed it out. I saved it and I went to bed. And on Wednesday, our car broke down in Fort Worth. And we are in a rental car right now, and we are paying $35 a day for a rental car and waiting on our engine to be rebuilt in Fort Worth. Don't know if it's going to be warranty, but we're believing that it's going to be warranty. But I just think it's hilarious. I should have titled it, God Gives Curtis a Million Dollars, or something like that. And then my Fort Worth trip would have been very different. The good news about our Fort Worth trip, if you don't know, is this, is we went there to determine if we were going to have a little boy or a little girl, and I am proud to say that our home is almost not quite balanced, but we are at a three to two ratio because the Ribbles are having a little boy, and I am so excited about that, okay? So now all we've got to do when we're voting on where to go out to eat, we've just got to sway one person, one person. I lose many battles in our home. All right, are we ready for this? Philippians 4.19. We're going to move quick today. It says, and my God will meet all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Jesse, we're going to be coming back to that several times throughout this, but just hold it up there for now. I want it, I want it up there. I want everybody to be seeing that. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let's do some review from last week. This series is called God's Plan and what it's focused on is prosperity. And like I said last week, that's kind of a dirty word in the church because there's this anti-prosperity, like, ooh, that's gross, don't touch it, in the church today. When you hear the word prosperity in church, it normally has a negative connotation, and I think that's so funny because I've never met anyone in my life who didn't want to prosper in some way. And I think that there's an anti-prosperity movement in the church today because of a few things. One, People don't actually know the scriptures. Two, people have heard extreme teaching because you can take anything the wrong way. You can take it way too far one direction, and that's caused them to react negatively. Or three, people have been raised on traditions of men and not the word of God. They believe that, oh, you, you're not supposed to prosper if you're a Christian. 
You're not supposed to have anything good if you're a Christian. You're supposed to, you know, wear cloth sack and, and just walk around and be sad all the time. But we're going to fight that today. Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing God's word. I'm going to tell you that the faith for prosperity in your life is going to come by teaching on prosperity. And we need to know about kind of what the scripture actually says about prosperity and not what we think it says. So let's define it today as we're still reviewing what is prosperity. The Greek word for prosperity actually just means this, be led along a good road. It doesn't say anything about money. It doesn't say anything about belongings. It just says to be led along a good road. So week one, we confessed and declared that God's plan is to lead you along a good road that will prosper you in every area of your life, spiritually, emotionally, physically, and financially. And during this series, we're going to be focused specifically on financial prosperity. And then again, not because it's the most important, but because it's the most misunderstood and least accepted teaching in area of prosperity. And because God does have a plan for your money. Do you have a plan for your money? I hope you do. If you don't have a plan for your money, at the end of the week, you don't know where your money went. Okay? So if that's important on this earth, we better believe that it's important in heaven. God has a plan, and you need to know that plan. And this is not according to Curtis Ribble, but according to his statistics, countless studies have found that financial stress can affect your marriage, your family, your relationships, your health, so on and so forth. Financial stress is the leading cause of chronic migraines in the United States. It's like every day I hear somebody, I got a headache today. You got financial stress today. That's why. So let's talk about some real stuff, okay? Because God's plan is not that we should live in stress and lack. Absolutely not. So we have to learn how to fan handle our finances. Fandle. I said fandle. That's financial handling. Fandling. Okay? New word. Write it down. We have to learn how to handle our finances in line with God's plan. So I titled this, God can afford it. So that's the question that determines a lot. Can we afford it? Like, especially this time of year, right? Can we afford it? It's the question that determines what we do, what we don't do, how we do it or how we don't do it. It's the question that determines the life that we live or the life that we live without. Can we afford it? And maybe it sounds like this in your house. It, maybe it doesn't sound exactly like can we afford it. Maybe it sounds like can we afford the family vacation this year? Will, be, will we be able to keep the kids in private school? How many gifts can we buy for Christmas this year? Do we have enough money to tithe or give to the church Will the car get repossessed? How will we pay the light bill? Will we be able to buy groceries this week? Or just simply this, what are we going to do? And if you've ever asked or, had, or find yourself in any kind of question similar to those, you know that it's not a fun place to be and it's not a fun question to ask. It's, and maybe you sat in your room or maybe you sat at your, at your table and you just looked at it and you said, I don't know how this is going to work. I'm going to tell you that God has a plan for that moment and for that question. And I am not uh, oblivious or, or dumb or ignorant. I know that we live in a world of limited resources, but I love my God because secret time, let me tell you this, he said, I have overcome the world. He's bigger than the world of limited resources, okay? So with so much anxiety in our culture, it's easy to focus on limitation and focus on lack and, and be fearful. But I, as I talked about last week, when we are those things and when we are fearful, that, that shows something of our heart. 
And I'm going to call that the orphan heart today. It shows that we don't believe that we actually have a father. Because believers must see that their situation, no matter what it is, they have to see it through the eyes of their father. And their father is a God of abundance who loves to give to his children. So week one, we declared we were going to stop grieving and start receiving. And we established that th for this to happen, we need two things. One, we have to shift our thoughts about prosperity. And two, we have to have a revelation of God's plan for our prosperity. But unfortunately, many Christians live with that orphan heart instead of a child of God heart. And a child of God knows this, that they aren't alone and their heavenly father cares about every detail of their life. Listen, I'm not going to lie to you and say that whenever our car messed up, that I did not immediately switch from child of God to orphan mentality. Okay? I went into, I got to fix this mode real quick. And then Jesse just reminded me because she does that so subtly and so sweetly. She has a gift for this that, why are you so stressed? God's got this. No matter what it is, he's got it. If it's warranty, he's got it. If it's non-warranty, he's got it. He's got it. If it's zero dollars, he's got it. If it's $5,000, he's got it. And I'm like, dang, I wish I had your faith all the time. But here's the reality, is that a child of God knows that they're not alone. Their heavenly father cares about every detail of their life. But the orphan mentality says this, you're on your own and nobody cares. And I believe that in the church and in this world, that is the not-so-silent majority. Why do I say the not-so-silent? Because I see a lot of orphaned hearts and orphan mentalities posting on Facebook all the time. Okay? He cares. You're not on your own. He cares. So when we start thinking about those two things, where would you evaluate? Where would you say you are in this moment right now? How do you identify yourself? Would you say, I'm a child of God? Or would you say, I'm an orphan? 100%. So that's our review. Just getting started. Let's dive in. As children of God, if you get into that mindset and you have that heart, I'm a child of God, he has a wonderful promise for you. In Philippians 4.19, my God will meet all your needs according to his riches, his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And here is where God has to remind us some things. I'm going to need some participation here. So if you were sleeping, wake up. Okay. Okay. So we aren't allowed, or sorry, we aren't to allow fear, say fear, fear. to distort our focus. Okay, I'm going to say say, and then you say that word. We're going to practice, okay? Let's try again. We aren't to allow fear, say fear, fear. to distort our focus. See, y'all did good there. Now we know how to church. There we go. We aren't to see the limitation, say limitation, and lack, say lack, of this world as our inheritance. It's not our inheritance, okay? We are to trust, say trust, in the unending abundance, say abundance, of God's provision. We are to remember, say remember, our Father God has a limitless supply. Say limitless supply. Y'all are so good. One more. We are to believe he definitely can't afford it. Say he can't afford it. Good God can't afford it, guys. God can afford it. And whenever you get into that mindset, life becomes a lot easier. At least your thought life does. God can afford it. The promise is short, it's simple, it's direct, but it's one of the most amazing and all-encompassing promises in the Bible. And it's a promise that will lead you 
to Christ's purpose in coming to earth. He said, I have come so that you may have life and have it more abundantly. A God who was broke and couldn't afford it does not make that promise. Okay? Today we're going to see God's guarantee regarding our finances, and we're going to dive in. Are you ready? Let's break it down. So, and my God. Jesse, if we're going to start going through these one at a time here. And my God. Notice it doesn't say his God, her God, their God. It's my God. It's personal. It's intimate. It's relational. He's our father. We're his children. So just like he got to say, my God, you get to say, my God. And my God. So then it goes on. And my God will. It doesn't say that he might meet our needs. It says he will. And this is an absolute guarantee when dealing with God. Because Father God is simply telling us that he's willing to do this. And my God will meet all. It doesn't say he's going to meet some. It says all. So what does that include? Your car payment, education expenses, braces for your kids, your house mortgage, taxes, tithe and kingdom builder giving. Yes, all of those things, all of your needs. Because he's interested in and he wants to meet your needs. So, and my God will meet all your needs. Okay, pause. Needs, not greeds. Okay, say that. Needs, not greeds. So the new jet skis you've been drooling over, the plastic surgery you've been secretly coveting, maybe not. Maybe so. I don't know. But when I think of needs and greeds, I think that's where I'm going to draw the line, jet skis and plastic surgery. Okay. So God never promised that he'll supply our every whim. That's not to say if you have had plastic surgery or that you have a jet ski that you're greedy. I'm proud that God has provided those things for you. Okay. I'm so excited for you, for that. I'm just using those as examples. So don't walk out saying that pastor is anti-jet ski. Don't walk out saying that because that is not true. I enjoy a jet ski. I have many friends who have jet skis. They're the greatest jet skis. Okay, we're going to move on. (laughs) So God never promises that he's going to supply our every whim because there's a difference between needs and and necessities and, and, and wants and greeds. And think for a moment, as a parent, if you have children, I hope that you're not giving your kids everything that they want. Because what does that do? It spoils them, okay? I'm all about, like, loving my kids and and giving them good things, but there are times when my children have to hear no, or maybe not right now, or maybe later, okay? So because I am a subpar father compared to God, and he is a good, 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 good father, I should expect nothing less of him that every now and then he's going to have to look down at me and say, Curtis, no, not right now. Moving on. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches. This promise isn't based on my assets. It's not based on my savings account. It's not based on what I have in equity in my home. It's based on God's assets. It's based on what God has, and his resources are absolutely, positively, without a doubt, unlimited. However, God knows that we frequently get short-sighted. told you the other day, car trouble. I'm no longer a child of God. I shelve it. I'm now an orphan. No one cares about me. I'm on the side of the interstate. I'm pushing my car to a Walmart with some sweet woman I don't even know who's helping me. Jesse's in the driver's seat. We're yelling at each other. It's great. I'm an orphan, okay? God knows that we're frequently short-sighted and forget. So Scripture reminds us in a lot of places. Haggai 2.18 says, The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. And actually, he wants to be clear in another spot where it's not just silver and gold, but everything. Psalm 5010. 
12. Every animal of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills is mine. The world is mine, and all that is in it. So, he's got this. Say it. God can afford it. And I don't know what the it is in your life, but he's got this. We'll never have a need that can exhaust God's supply. It's not as if when you're praying, God, I, I hope that you can handle this, that if he takes care of that need, that suddenly the water is going to get shut off in heaven. That's not how it works. He is limitless and endless. And I love this. And if you, if you forget everything else or you don't care about anything else that I say today, remember this, that grace oversupplies your need. Just pause. I want to pause right now, and I want you to close your eyes. I want you to think about that statement. Grace oversupplies your need. Grace oversupplies it. Moving on. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And it's very important that we pay attention to those three little words, in Christ Jesus, because God is directing his statement and his promise to a very specific group of people. That promise is for believers. People who have said, I believe in my heart, I declare with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And I am his child. Even though sometimes I might act like an orphan, I am his child. And his word says that even though sometimes I act like an orphan, nothing can snatch me out of his hand. Nothing. His finished work is finished, it's complete, and it's found in me. And no matter how I act, no matter when I act bad, no matter when I look, nothing's going nothing's to snatch me out of his hand. His grace oversupplies his need. And I am his child. So it's for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I love that God is not an absentee father, and he always takes care of me, his child, and he takes care of you, his children. But here's what happens. We have to learn how to receive from him. We have to learn how to receive, okay? Had, I don't know, don't know if I've ever told this story before, but I remember one time, and I don't even know this woman's name, but I was working in construction. It was when I was in high school, and I was working on her house, and every day she would come out and she would offer me something, whether it be like a sandwich, a piece of cake, sweet tea. I don't know. She would just come out and offer stuff. And I would always say, no, no, thank you. I was using my manners and everything. And then like day six, it was our last day there. And she came out there and I offended her when I said, no, ma'am. And she said, you know what? You just need to learn how to receive. And since that day, I have never said no. Like, it's just like, I want to give you this. Okay. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing with it, but I'm going to receive it. Okay. I, I, I had to learn how to receive. And I think you need to learn how to receive. You need to learn how to receive. Okay. Because the Christian walk in the gospel is never about giving anything. It's about receiving everything from him. So these words in Psalm 27, 25 says, I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging for bread, saying that God's going to take care of you. Those words partnered with Philippians 4, 19, make it clear that God is willing, willing and abundantly able to provide everything we need. And guys, he can afford it and he wants to do it. Okay? So you might be like, you know what, that's great, Curtis, and I love that you're saying it, and you're saying it so well and enthusiastically, but um, why do I still have financial needs? That is a fantastic question. We'll get that next week. Come back next week. I'm just kidding. No. So why do I still have financial needs? Is God ignoring me? Has he changed his mind? Has he forgotten about my family and me? And maybe this only refers to spiritual needs, Curtis, not, not material and financial needs. Listen, um, these are not child of God thoughts. 
Those are orphan thoughts. God has done everything that he needs to do to provide everything for you. It starts with you in your mind and being able to receive. Because when we get discouraged, those thoughts plague us. And we must remember what God is like, even when we're tempted to think otherwise. And our God is changeless, say changeless. He is trustworthy, say trustworthy. He keeps his covenants, say covenants. God is good, he's a lover, and he's a generous giver. And if he sacrificed his one and only son just to reconcile us back into a right relationship with him, there is nothing that he wouldn't do for you and nothing that he wouldn't give for you. Romans 8.32 says that. He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He's willing. So if God was willing out of his love to give the supreme sacrifice of his son to redeem us, would he, be, would he withhold anything else to meet our other needs if he can easily supply them? Like he's got them. Why wouldn't he? But the real question is, then, then why aren't all of our needs met? If we discuss financial principles and the things that God has laid out, we know that these things are eternally true, so why, why, why aren't they met? So like him, his words and his promises are changeless, powerful, and totally effective. And like I said a minute ago, God's done everything on his end to provide for all of our needs. Everything. It's up to us to actually start believing that we are his children and that we can receive good things from him. That is, an ap- that is a challenge. It's fighting back everything that's thrown at you all the time, that you're not good enough, that no one cares, and you're all alone. And so in the back of your head, you still have that laying there. You might ask, but you still have that laying there. You might ask, but you still have that laying there. Second Peter 1.3 says that his divine power has given us everything we need. And if we're to receive everything and anything from God, we've got to open up our hearts and believe and receive all the good things that the Father has for us. That's why we've been praying it. That's why 2019 was the year that we prospered. That's why 2020 is the year of infinitely more, okay? So let's close this by looking at this, believing and receiving. And I want to t- teach you real quick how to, how to receive, how to start that process. Believing. So faith is a, tr- faith is a trusting relationship with God, our Heavenly Father. But like I said, many of us kind of act like spiritual orphans. And even when we want to, it's difficult to trust in God's goodness. Jesus tells us to look at the birds. On his Sermon on the Mount, he says, look at the birds. He says, they don't spend time worrying about where their next meal will come from, for God supplies what they need. Jesus asks us to consider how God takes care of the birds and says, don't you think if he'll do that, he'll take care of us? And when God tells us to believe, he's not just saying, you know, I don't know. Um, He's not just saying use like this mental assessment. He's insisting that we place our confidence and total trust upon him. And what this means is this this word, and you're going to like it, I think, rest. It means rest. Because what are we talking about? We're talking about being led on a good road. Led. On a good road, not a bumpy road, not led on a good road. So he's insisting that we place our confidence and total trust upon him. And that means that we get to rest in his faith. 
We get to rest in, in what he does. And we rely on him not merely, not merely that we just give credence to his words, but that we actually rely on him, that we actually trust him. And we need to also realize that the, I, I say, I, I like, I love praise. I love worship because I always think like the, 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 the enthusiasm that you give in praise and worship is directly connected to what God has brought you through and out of. The same thing with trust. We need to realize that our degree of trust in our Heavenly Father reflects our relationship with Him. How much does, do I trust Him? And the more intimately we know Him, the more deeply we'll trust Him. And one measure of our trust in God is how frequently we worry. Any warriors? Not warrior, hi, I'm going to fight you. Warrior, like, I don't know what I'm going to do in the house. We can be honest. Just me? Praise Jesus. Oh, here we go. I was like, y'all can have the mic. Tell me how you do it. Warriors. Yes, listen, listen, this is going to hurt your feelings, warriors, but it's true. Worry is a form of unbelief. Every time we worry, we're acting in unbelief. Notice I say we because I, I'm there, okay? Every time we worry, we're acting in unbelief. And in an effect, we're saying, if this is going to happen, I got to do it. I don't have the time nor the patience to wait on God to make this happen. I'm going to do it. That's what worry is. It's a form of unbelief, and we're acting in unbelief when in reality, our only true security is found in our Heavenly Father. So we need to avoid the subtle pride that tells us that you need to take care of this on your own. You got this. No, you don't. You don't got this. He does. Okay? He does. And belief always involves action. So let's get to receiving. And this is where receiving comes in. So many people have this, this idea that receiving is a passive thing when, in fact, it is the exact opposite. Receiving is an active response to believing. And when we receive, we ask and give thanks and then take and obtain what we've requested. We ask we give thanks, then we take and obtain what we've requested. To receive is to look for, take in full, give space to, and make room for. It's an active thing. It's like, Emily, I'm going to give you a new car. Not like really because my car's in the shop, but one day maybe. Okay, so, so you're going to be like, Emily, I'm going to give you a new car. So you look for that new car, you take that new car in full, and then you have to create space in your life for that new car, right? It's an active thing. You might have to give up something. Like, like, well, to make space for this new car, I gotta get rid of my old car. Okay? It's that, it's that same process. So consider these three steps in receiving. And I told you earlier that I live with an in, with an incredibly faithful person. I really, really, really do. And her name is Miss Jessie Ribble. And if y'all would stand real quick, Jessie is gonna help us close today. And she is going to talk to you briefly about three steps to receiving from God. She's going to pray over you and then give you the opportunity because maybe it's not financial this morning, but maybe you have an it, you have a need. God says, I will provide all your needs. Not only is she faithful, but this lady has an incredible anointing. And when she prays for people, listen, I'm telling you, things happen. Not hokey, not weird. God flows through in ways that I've not seen flow through other people. And so she's going to help us close in service today. And we're going to close in a time of worship. But if you need someone to pray for you, I would ask that at the end, 
you would just come line up here, and she's going to pray with you. She's going to partner with you, and she's going to love on you a little bit. Jess, you want to pray for us? Okay, pray with me. And let me remind you that I'm a really good student prayer, so if I say something kind of kind of off the wall, it's because I spend most of my time with junior high and high school students, okay? So just just bear with me. But dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for who you are, God. I thank you for each soul that you've brought into this place, Father. And I pray that you not only give us eyes to see and ears to hear, but hearts to receive what you have for us, God, but that you give us the faith to live out what you put in store for us, Father. I pray that if there is a need in this place, God, that you give us the courage and the boldness and the faith to act on that, God, to to say, yes, God, I know I need it, but here, let me take that little step so that I can also receive it, so that I can also be bold enough to ask for it, God. I thank you for what you're doing through each of these peoples, all of these people, each of these people, every one of these people in this place, God, and I thank you for what you're going to do through Venture Community Church. And it's in your name that I pray. Amen. Just stay standing with me. Um, these are ways that we, we achieve this. One is that we actively ask. In James 4.2, it says you do not have because you do not ask. Point number two is that you make your request specific. In John 16.24, until now you have asked for nothing in my name. And ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made full. And the third is to give thanks. Philippians 4, 4, 6 through 7 says, Do not be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. Do you want to pray? Okay. Pray with me one more time. Father, we thank you that you desire to lead us along a good road that will prosper us in every area of our lives. Although Jesus was infinitely prosperous, he impoverished impoverished himself for our sake, so that by his poverty we 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 may become prosperous beyond measure. We are prospering in our minds, in our bodies, in our spirits, and in our finances. Whatever we do prosper. Father, we confess and declare that we walk in your favor. You delight in our success and in our prosperity. With you, all things are possible. We walk every day expecting your favor and success to be upon us. We're blessed coming in and blessed going out. We're the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. We thank you, Father, that Jesus has redeemed us from the curse of lack poverty and want. We're blessed because of him. We declare that you can afford it and there is nothing beyond you. We choose to receive by our belief. We confess and declare that we're blessed. We're blessed. We're blessed. It's our prosperity that enables us to grow and advance individuals and families by declaring and demonstrating your gospel to everyone, every day, everywhere. Amen. Amen and amen. Hey guys.